Grab your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. How many of you have a garden? Anybody? You got a garden? You know what? If you leave that garden unworked, it will absolutely grow up with what? Weeds. You have got to work that garden. I mean, that thing will get away from you with bugs and all kinds of weeds will get in that garden. It has to be tended. It has to be cultivated. I mean, you've got to show some special attention to that garden. And let me say, as I thought about a garden, in a parallel with our spiritual life, your life and my life in the Lord Jesus has to be cultivated and needs attention. That's what we want to focus on today, our life in the Lord. In fact, I believe the great need for you and me today is for revival. That reason the Lord's got a message on my heart as I've been praying, survival or revival, as we prepare for Jesus Christ's arrival. What is it going to be? Eternity without anxiety. And I know that everybody's these days facing a lot of challenges and yet, in the Gospel of Luke, I believe the Lord's got a word for us today. Revival or survival? There's probably some of you today just hanging on. I mean, you wonder, what's next? I mean, what else is going to happen? And I've got news for you. I think the Lord God has called us for such a time as this. I believe that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's grace is sufficient for these days? Do you believe that the Lord wants to do much more in your life? Do you believe that God will give you such faith and such blessings to make a difference while there's time? We don't have to just exist. We don't have to just be in a mode of survival. No, no, we can be in a mode of revival. And if we're ever going to reach those who are lost without Jesus Christ, then you and I have got to experience revival personal revival. Now, obviously, we have a great need in our nation for revival. Somebody say amen. Well, that was weak, beloved. I mean, our nation's in dire straits of revival. God's judgment is already on America. You do realize that. And the only thing short of a mighty move of God is the judgment of God. And so God's calling you and me to pray and seek His face. Now then, I'm convinced you need personal revival. You've been down, hadn't you? I said, you've been down, hadn't you? I said, you've been discouraged, hadn't you? You've been uh, ready to quit, and you've been stressed out and worried. Speaking of stressed out, my sister told me the other day, she said, uh, she, said uh, she went to the movie, took her children to the movie theater. Speaking of being stressed out, she said, I went to the movie theater, and I had my children with me, and it was dark in there. I ordered some popcorn, some drinks. We sat down. We were enjoying things, the Christian movie. And she said, uh, I had to slip out and go to the restroom. So I made my way to the restroom, and we were enjoying the popcorn, sharing it and eating it. And I bought some for the children. I had a thing of popcorn for myself, and I was just eating it and enjoying it. She said, uh, when I came back, it was a little dark, and I uh, found my way back to where I was uh, located sitting and I sat down and said I grabbed the popcorn box and started eating it and uh, and I noticed that uh, beside me that that uh, we were sharing the popcorn box and I'd already bought some popcorn for you know the children and, and I saw the nerve that they're eating mine too and and I'd eat a little bit and then they'd grab it and they'd eat it too she said lo and behold it wasn't very long after that they turned the lights on 
and I was sitting in the wrong aisle. <laughs> I was sitting beside somebody I didn't know, and it wasn't my popcorn. It was theirs. <laughs> Sometimes we can be stressed out and not even realize what's going on. But here in the Gospel of Luke, now listen, here's where we're going in the message today. Revival, Lord. Survival or revival? And I'll tell you, we're going to pray in a moment. Are you ready? We're going to pray in a moment. We need to pray and seek the face of the Lord. Here in this wonderful account, we're going to talk about should we be praying for survival or should we be praying for revival in the light of Jesus Christ's arrival? In this wonderful passage of Scripture, I want you to think with me, should we be praying for survival or revival? Again, some people are just hanging in there. I mean, like a, a loose tooth. I mean, you know, let alone be proactive, let alone be doing great exploits for God. But yet the Lord has got a vision for you and me. There are plans that God has for you. As Jeremiah said, I know the thoughts I think toward you, Jeremiah 29, 11, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And by the way, that was in the context of Israel fixing to be taken into Babylon for 70 years. A troubled time. But, but I, I've got a feeling some of us are just going to work, coming home, and just kind of existing. I'm glad you're here today, but I've got news for you. I think God is wanting to stretch us a little bit in the area of trusting in Him and then watching Him do what only He can do. Some of you today maybe have developed and like I can easily do, a complaining spirit. Has there anybody uh, been whining lately? I had the privilege of going down to Florida, Brother Joe, last week to Altoona, 900 miles. Went left on Monday, came back on Wednesday night in time for our church last week. Uh, and I noticed as I met with six or seven pastors down there, uh, every church is facing the same challenges. Every church I'm around are facing the same challenges. And yet... God is telling you and me that he's not finished with us yet and that uh, he is still on his throne. He, 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 this, all this stuff hadn't caught him by surprise. And, and I know that you got needs and we've got needs and I'm going to encourage you and challenge you, rise above, beloved, rise above of the status quo of the money grubs, rise above what's the negativism that's going on in our nation. God has given us his Holy Spirit. But if we're not revived, we're not going to rise above it. Hello. I mean, if we're not full of faith, hope, and love, I will be taken down with the mentality of the world. Revival or survival? What are we going to do as we prepare for the Lord Jesus Christ's uh, arrival? Should we be praying for survival? Oh, God, just give me, I just want to hang in there. Now, I know some people are facing other challenges uh, more than others as far as health challenges and financial challenges and relational challenges and uh, other kinds of challenges, but still, still, God's grace is sufficient. So, as we look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, stand to your feet, please. I want to read this passage of Scripture. Now, let me say, by the way of introduction, you're well aware of the fact this is in regards to what we call the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse is when Jesus Christ was asked by his disciples when would be the time he would come again. What would be the signs of his coming? It's also recorded in the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And yet, I want you to hear me, and I'm going to bring up a screen here in a moment to show and to verify this is not the rapture of the church. 
Rather, this is after the rapture of the church and the tribulation time will follow the rapture of the church, my personal opinion, based on the teaching of the Word of God. And then the Lord will come back in glory and power. We call that the second coming of Jesus Christ. However, listen to me, beloved, as a Sunday school teacher, how many teachers do we have in the house of God today? One, two, three, four, five, all right? And as a teacher, you know when you take the Bible, you got, it, it's very important to stay true to the technical interpretation of the Bible, historically, who Jesus is speaking to and what he's referring to at that time. And yet at the same time, after you take the technical interpretation, you draw the bridge to practical application. And so we're going to do both today. Keep in mind, this is during the tribulation, after the rapture of the church. And yet we're going to derive some practical application from this text as we think about survival or revival in the light of his arrival. Luke 21, if you're there, say amen. amen. And uh, let's begin in chapter uh, 21, verse 24. Look at this. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword. And you notice your uh, writing's in red. One little boy had a Bible, didn't have red, and he said, Mama, Jesus didn't say anything in this Bible. <laughs> it's in red. Anyway, look, they shall fall by the edge of the sword. What is our Lord talking about? No doubt there's an historical event that's already taken place in 70 AD when the Romans stormed in and devastated Jerusalem, including burning it to the ground, and therefore a temple has not been erected on the Temple Mount as of today. He's referring to that, and yet, watch this. In a few moments, we'll read the text where the Lord goes a little deeper into some events that are yet to come, futuristic, okay? By the way, that was 40 years after he uh, predicted this approximately, that this event was fulfilled, and yet, futuristically, there's some events have not been fulfilled, as we'll read in just a moment. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, verse 24, and they shall be led captive into all nations, and Jerusalem, 764 times Jerusalem is mentioned in the Bible. The key focal point. It's the very center of the earth, according to Ezekiel chapter 5 and verse 5. Jerusalem shall be trotted down by the Gentiles. Notice this phrase. Please underline it. It's a significant word in the Scripture that needs to be defined in order for you to understand the end-time Bible prophecy from Genesis to Revelation. Here's a key phrase. You ready? Here it is. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Let's say that together. You ready? Here we go. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. One more time. All right, what does that mean? What's he talking about? He's talking about the times when the Gentiles rule over the J Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, up until present day. You do know that Daniel had the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, which included four world empires, Babylon, Medo-Persian, Grecian, and Rome. All of these have already come and gone. And yet, Daniel also saw another empire that would rise futuristic, namely the ten toes representative of the ten horns in Daniel 7 as to ten kings listed in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 12. Bottom line is this, the Antichrist will emerge, there will be a world government, a one world government where he will be worshipped and wear out the saints yet to come futuristically. The times of the Gentiles, again, the Gentile powers have ruled over Jerusalem. However, the Lord Jesus is saying there's coming a time when that's going to end. When will that end? During the tribulation, all right? When Christ comes and sets up his millennial kingdom and his kingdom, there shall be no end. Hallelujah. Look at this, verse 25. 
And then, reason I know this is all futuristic, look, this hadn't happened. Jerusalem's been devastated by Roman armies, but this hadn't happened, verse 25. Therefore, you can conclude this is futuristic. Look, and verse 25 reads this way. And there shall be signs, Simeon. There shall be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and upon the earth, distress. You know what that word distress is? Anxiety. That's what it means. Distress among nations. I'd say we're living in distressful times, wouldn't you? Distress among nations with, notice, perplexity. And that means pressed on every side. Oh, boy, we live in a troubled world. Yes, we do. He said, there'll be distress of nations and perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them. Why? Say it again. Men's hearts failing for what? How many today have got fear and phobia weighing on you like a heavy burden? What if this, and what if this, and what if this, and what if my health fails, and what if I'm not able to pay my bills, and what if, you know, the COVID-19 shuts down the churches again, and what if, uh, you know, something happens at school, and what if, you know, something happens to my children, what if, 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 even if, even if, even if, please replace what if with even if. You didn't get that, did you? I said replace what if with even if. You didn't get that. I said replace what if with even if. Go ahead and say it. Even if this happens, I'm still going to praise you, Lord. I don't know if y'all like me have to cross that bridge, but buddy, you got to cross that every day. Even if, even if, even if, even if. Satan, get behind me in the name of Jesus. Look at this. Men's hearts will be failing them. Why? For fear, phobia, and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth, verse 26, which are coming uh, on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. The word shaken is Sal uo, which means to disturb. God's saying these things are going to happen. Wow, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure. Listen to me. The secular world acknowledges that the end of the world is near. Did you hear me? I said the secular world. Look at the scientific clock. It's getting closer and closer to the end of the world. This is secularism. And yet they recognize the time is short. If they do, how much should the children of God recognize that the Word of God has been fulfilled and it will be fulfilled. Y'all look at me. You say, you preachers have been talking about Jesus coming all the time and he hadn't come. Well, wait a minute. Let me remind you. One day as to the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Jesus Christ has been gone 2,000 years. That means he's only been gone two days. That means he can come back the third day. Hello. I don't know when the Lord's coming. No man knows the hour, but the Father in heaven in his second coming or in the rapture. But I know this. I want to be ready. Y'all didn't hear me. I said, I want to be ready. Why? Because the judgment seat of Christ is going to follow. Wait a minute. Keep on reading. I know you've been standing a while, but look at verse 27. And then they shall see. Look, after all these things, this is the second coming. This is not the rapture. Please differentiate the two. The rapture will be caught up in the air. The second coming, Jesus comes to the earth. The rapture, there's glory and bliss. And that's what the message you can share tomorrow, Brother Joe, if these were saved, and I hope they were. The rapture is the next event on God's calendar, which will be reunited with our loved ones. Comfort one of these words. There's no mention of war. There's no mention of blood during the rapture. However, on the flip side, contrary and contrast and comparison, the second coming of Christ when he puts his feet on the earth, Zechariah 14, 4, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, Revelation 19, there's war. So there's two different events here. That's what I'm saying. Why am I saying this? I know you probably believe that, but how many... You heard, there's a lot of people don't believe that. They think the rapture and the second coming is the same thing. There's a lot of preachers that preach that. I love them. I'm not being critical. I'm not saying I'm a know-it-all. I'm just saying do the math yourself. Put all the pieces on the table, on the table, and you come to your own conclusions. Look here. 
Verse 27, they shall see the Son of Man come into the cloud with power and great glory. And look at verse 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, look up. Say that with me. Look up. Say that with me. And lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Aren't you tired of the down look? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, look up. Stop looking down. Stop looking at the dirt. Start looking at the clouds. Amen. When I'm at a funeral, Brother Joe, I look and see if I see any clouds anywhere. And when I do, boy, I'm encouraged. I say, this could be the day. It could be the day anyway. We're going to meet the Lord in the air and in the clouds. Oh, praise the Lord. If you're discouraged today, that's going to encourage you. And then look at verse 34. Here's our practical application. You ready? And take heed, said the Lord, to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. That means weighed down, depressed, with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares. Notice, please underline that word, cares of this life. Cares can really zap you spiritually. And that's why I think we need revival. I, I battle it. You battle it. Cares of this life. Not gross immorality and ungodliness, but just cares of this life. Like thorns and thistles that'll choke out a life of a plant. Tell me, are you really got a lot of cares on your mind? Well, cast our care, our burden on the Lord, said he. Verse 34, he said the cares of this life, middle of the verse. So that that day, what day? The day of the Lord coming, come upon you unaware. For as a snare it shall come upon all them, verse 35, that dwell upon the face of the whole earth. What's the next word? Watch. Ye therefore, and pray how often? Pray. See, that's what we're going to do this morning in just a moment. Pray always. That you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things which have come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Father, Lord, I know that we need heaven's help. And, oh God, nothing short of your divine intervention will bring us back to your will and to your way. And nothing short, Lord, of quickening of your word will bring us out of the slow of despondency and depression. And Father, nothing short, Holy Spirit, of your empowerment will bring us up and out and seeing your vision and, and your purpose for our life. Help us, Lord, to be encouraged as we look up and we look in and we look out and see the time is short. So I love you and give you glory that you loved me first and died and rose again and Promise to come again, and the best is yet to come. And I ask you to bless each one, Lord, today that you'll break the chains of the enemy. You'll loose us to love you, to serve you until one day we see you. And we ask this with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Should we pray for revival while we're waiting for his arrival? Or should we pray for Revival. Look up here just a minute, everybody. I mentioned to you the rapture of the church. You do know the word rapture is not in the Bible. How many knew that? You won't find it in the Bible. It's the word called up, harpazo. And yet, this is no doubt Paul's reference to the twinkling of an eye in 1 Corinthians 15. In the twinkling of an eye, that's faster than you can bat an eye. GE has calculated that to 11 hundredths of a second. There's references in the Bible. For example, Jesus said in John 14 to the rapture. In my father's house, many mansions. We use that at funerals, Brother Joe, but technically speaking, that was a picture of the Jewish wedding. A bridegroom would take his bride, make a covenant with her, what we'd call engagement, and then she must wait and wait for her bridegroom after he went to the father's house to prepare a place for her. And then at the proper time, 
when she perhaps least expected it, that's a picture of the church, the bride, by the way. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it with the washing of water by the word, the bridegroom would come back. I'm paraphrasing and explaining John 14. The bridegroom will come back, sweep her off her feet. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And likewise, the church, the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, will come back. Not as the king of kings yet. He'll come back, hear me, as the bridegroom first for the church. Later, here he'll come as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Revelation 19. Technically speaking, he's coming as the bridegroom. Now, meanwhile, get this. If you didn't think that was something, I think this is absolutely fascinating. Do you know how long the bridegroom and the bride would stay in the marriage chamber? They'd go to the father's house. Guess how long they'd stay in the marriage chamber before they came out to enjoy the marriage supper? Guess how long? Seven days. Seven days. Check it out. Many showers, others had noted this in their scholarly writings. Seven days. You say, so what? What's so great about seven? Because when we're raptured up, after the Lord comes again, there'll be seven years of tribulation on the earth. I'm telling you this, there's a great parallel and a contrast and comparison between a bridegroom and a bride, and every Jew would have understood what Jesus Christ was saying in John 14. He's in the upper room. Wait a minute, you think that's something. Guess what happened after seven days? The marriage was consummated. You know what they'd do? They'd come out of the marriage chamber, and the marriage supper would take place. Guess what's going to happen when we come back with the bridegroom? The Lord said in Revelation 19, He said, I saw the armies in heaven which followed Him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And Revelation 19, Behold, His wife has made herself ready. The bridegroom comes. Guess what's going to take place? The marriage supper of the Lamb is going to take place after the seven years of tribulation. Do you see the parallel? Maybe you got it, maybe you didn't. Listen to the tape, because I know I'm sharing a lot of information, but I believe... In time teaching will change your life practically speaking if you know Jesus Christ would come back this afternoon it would probably change your life you might go home and get rid of some stuff get rid of some channels you got maybe get rid of some books you got in fact it might cause you to say you know what Lord I hadn't really been spending quiet time like I ought to <laughs> it, it might just say oh, you know I, I need to clean up I, Lord I need to start focusing on your will not just Sunday morning Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, yeah. So the Lord's coming back. The tribulation described in Daniel 9, 27, it's seven years, and it's derived from that text, Daniel speaking to Jews. Keep in mind, the tribulation's meant for the Jews, not the church. And I just want to point out something real quick, and I'll move on. The word ecclesia church. Y'all listen, look up here. Church is not mentioned from chapter 6 to chapter 18 at all, and yet it's mentioned 25 times in the book of Revelation. Not one time in this tribulation time. Why? The church wasn't meant to go through the tribulation. I know there's preachers saying it. I know there's book written about it. But do your homework. Put all the pieces on the table. You check it out. And I believe you'll come to the same conclusion. Church is not mentioned here at all 25 times in Revelation. But not once from chapter 6 to chapter 18. Ecclesia, called out ones. However, Israel's mentioned 30 times in the book of Revelation. Israel. Guess how many times it's mentioned in this tribulation time? 85% of the time. My point is this, Israel is the focus of the tribulation, not the church. That's why I conclude the church will be raptured, not because of that alone, but those of you that would like to go to our YouTube, check it out. The Lord just had us to do a message on the rapture of the church. Why well, I believe it. That is not 
the main reason. That's just one reason. Can I tell you several others? The wrath of God. The wrath of God is going to be poured out in the tribulation. At the beginning, not the middle, as the pre-wrath says, and as the mid-tribulation says, the whole tribulation. The wrath of God. Revelation chapter 6, the white horse rider opening the seal, conquering a bow in his head, a crown, a crown on his head, and a bow in his hand. The Antichrist. Confirming a covenant, yes. But Revelation chapter 6 talks about the red horse rider. This is at the beginning of the tribulation. He'll take peace from the earth. My point is this. The wrath of God, and it's Jesus Christ pouring out his wrath, not the devil. How do I know that? Revelation 5. Read it. It comes before 6. And God the Father gives God the Son the scroll. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials. So, there's a lot of uh, discrepancies here. The wrath of God, and Paul said, and write this down. You ready? I know I'm throwing out a lot of verses. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9. God says, he's not appointed us to wrath. He's talking to the church of Thessalonica. He was there three weeks. These were young Christians. Now, you're sitting here, you're saying, Pastor, all this stuff's over my head. Really? How long have you been a Christian? And the Thessalonica believers were Christians three weeks. And Paul is talking to them the same thing I'm talking to you about. Come on. We need to get with it. Hello. So you need to be with it. And by the way, this is on the table. People are asking. I mean, look at the news. Look what's going on. Russia and Iran and Israel and other events. I'm just saying that we need to be ready to answer every man of the reason the hope that's within us with meekness and with fear. First Thessalonians 5, 9. God's not appointed us to wrath. Wait a minute. If God said he wasn't appointed us right into the church to wrath, his wrath, judgment, now that's a difference in chastisement of God, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, Hebrews 12, 5. I'm talking about the wrath of God, the judgment of God. If he says he's going to keep us from the wrath of God, I would think he meant what he said, wouldn't you? He wouldn't contradict his word. That's another reason I believe the church will be raptured up. By the way, look at me. I'm not saying like some people have insinuated, you preachers, y'all are always saying it's going to be pie in the sky and we'll never have to go through any tribulation. Read my lips. I've never said that. I think we're going to go through more persecution right now. And so I don't believe that for one moment. But that's not the tribulation. Please differentiate. The Israel is the focal point, 144,000. According to Revelation 14, two witnesses, Revelation chapter 11. And Gentiles, martyred saints, tribulation saints. When you see the word saints in Revelation chapter 6 through 18, note them as tribulation saints, not the church. There's a difference in the two. However, enough said of that. All of that leads up to the battle of Armageddon when Christ comes again. That is our text for today. Sorry to take that time, but I needed to clarify because maybe you're wondering. These end time events. So, should we pray for revival or survival? Jesus said Jerusalem should be trotted down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. I've already described that time noted in the book of Daniel chapter 7 and chapter 2. So, should we pray for survival? Why we wait for Jesus Christ's revival? Here he says there'll be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and the earth distress of nations with perplexity in the sea and the waves roaring. And this is yet to come. Notice, men's hearts will be failing them for fear, for fear. And that's even happening today. You ask the average person and, you know, there's a, and, and I think the media, see if you agree with me, the media and the politicians are absolutely trying to incite fear in every single person in America and I think on the earth. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but y'all look at me. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Y'all look at me and see the way the devil works is he begins to incite fear and phobia. I'm not saying we shouldn't be wise, hear me. But I'm saying that God 
if we let the enemy work on us, it'll cause us to be incapacitated spiritually and ineffective with the gifts and the calling God has placed on your life and my life. And furthermore, you and I will stand before the Lord Jesus at the judgment seat after the rapture and give an account. Failing them for fear, for the looking of those things which are to come upon the earth. The powers of heaven shall be shaken. They shall see the Son of Man come in the clouds with great power and great glory. When these things come to pass, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. And so should we be praying for revival? Are you praying for revival? I don't mean to sound ugly here, but probably many of us sitting in this place have not prayed about God to send a personal revival in our own heart in a long time. You probably haven't been praying for revival in your own heart, have you? You may have been praying for revival in America. I got news for you. Revival starts right here. Before it starts in America, it starts right here. And by the way, in case America is never revived, you can be revived. I can be revived. What is revival? Revival is returning to our first love. Revival is falling in love with Jesus. Revival is having God's will supreme in our life. Revival is seeing God's vision for us. Revival is praying that God will stay His hand of judgment upon our nation and upon our families and release His resurrection power. Revival is when God stirs the saints' heart and begins to give them a passion, a burden to reach the lost. Revival, the result is a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Revival is uh, willing to submit and yield to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Revival is God's manifested glory that comes and you never will be the same when you see the glory of the living God. Revival is what changes a church. Revival is what changes our heart. Revival is when God sweeps His mighty Holy Ghost presence and sinners are lost and saved by the blood of the Lamb. Revival is when God's people get right with God. Revival is when we get on our knees and humble ourselves. Revival is when God breaks through and begins to undo the devil's dirty work in people's lives. Oh yes, revive us again, Lord, that thy people may rejoice in thee. Revival is not an option. It's a necessity. If you're going to be a spirit-filled Christian, if you're not revived, you're going to be carnal. You're going to be lukewarm. I know because I get that way. That's why you need revival. You need God to quicken His Word in your heart that it wouldn't be like water on a duck's back. You and I need a closer walk with the Lord. If you think you're where you ought to be, that shows you're not. Oh, yes, revival brings forth truth that changes our mind. Oh, God, change my mind. Revival is the that, that uh, process that God changes our mind and our heart and our emotions and our behavior. Revival is uh, when we start talking about the things of God more than the things of the earth. Revival gives us a passion to be interested in what God's doing. Revival is getting in 
on the plan of God. Revival, oh yes, it's when the Lord opens up the windows of heaven and restrains the work of the devil and brings forth the truth of the gospel. Revival is when the Lord is enthroned in our heart and enthroned in his church. And revival is uh, when the saints of God rejoice and get happy in the Lord and don't have to be pumped and primed and picked up to worship God. Out of them is like a river of living water to praise the living God. And so we need revival. I need revival. All right? And so what do we mean about revival? Can I tell you several things Jesus said? This is what's going to happen in time. Hearts are going to be overcharged. They're going to be heavy, depressed, down. You know who you are. He said, let me back up here. He said, you ought to pray. And pray. Watch. This word means stay awake. That's really what it means. Look up the uh, Greek word. Wake up. Boy, I tell you, so much going on. Here's where we're getting to practical, and I'm almost done. Number one, how can we have a revival? Evan Roberts rightfully said, one, confess all sin. Have you done that? Confess all sin. Oh, but it's their fault. Oh, but it's Joe Biden. Oh, but it's Kamala Harris. Oh, but it's the Democrats. Oh, but it's the Republicans. Come on. We've got to stop blaming everything on everybody else and see ourselves as God sees us. And you can be walking with the Lord and yet develop a bad attitude. Job did. I can. You can. Confess every sin. Watch this. Omission, commission. Keep that thy servant. Cleanse me from secret faults. Lust. Lust of the flesh. Pride of life. Hypocrisy. Judgmental spirit. Not able to see my own faults and flaws. Oh, yes. Confess every sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number two. Remove any doubtful habit. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let me just say it this way. Some things that you can justify and that you're doing is a stumbling block to another Christian. You can have liberty to do what you and I want to do. Can I give you a verse? All things are profitable for me, but all things are not expedient, Paul said. In other words, you might take liberty to go do whatever you want to do in the community and act a certain way and do things, and it might not convict your conscience, but it might be somebody watching you that causes them to stumble over you. Therefore, it is S-I-N, sin. Paul said that, that we shouldn't be a stumbling block to our brothers. So now all of a sudden, it's not just me thinking about getting inventory. Well, what have I done and what am I doing and where am I at? Oh, but how are other people perceive me? Oh, that's another story. Remove every doubtful habit. Is there something right now that you need to remove? You say, but pastor, nobody sees me do this. Your spirit is dull because you've been slipping in the dark and you don't want to admit it, but God sees it and other people see you're spiritually dull. That's why we need revival. Hey, look, go public with your witness for Jesus Christ. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God, my strength, my redeemer. Tell me. Revival or survival? Stand to your feet right now, would you? And I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Now, you, I know you used to just come on Sunday, and I don't know what God is saying to you today, but 
You might have to, some, like rain, it might have to soak in a little bit. But I'm convinced, if not everyone in this house, 99% of us need revival. Maybe somebody needs to be saved. And uh, if you don't want revival, trust me, you're not going to have revival. You satisfied with where you're at, with God, your relationship with the Lord? God will let you stay right where you're at. Yep. He can put pressure on us, yes, but he loves us and he's got a bigger plan for us. So you and I have to be willing to say, oh, Jesus, here am I. Here am I. Father, we bless you now and praise you. Oh, God, cleanse my heart of every and any and all disobedience, where I've grieved your spirit, where I've quenched your spirit, where I've, oh Lord, drifted. I pray that for everyone of who's in here that, Lord, some are wondering why they can't go forward. And some of us are wondering why we can't get more blessings in our life. And some of us are wondering, Lord, why we don't see your work stretched out more in our families. Oh God, I pray, open our spiritual eyes do work we ask in the name of Jesus not only in my heart but in the church New Rocky Creek and also throughout this community yea in this nation oh God instead of being part of the problem we want to be a part of your solution thank you Jesus thank you Lord